We are closing out this series today on Modern Family. This is the very last of the messages. Thank you to all of you who came this morning and participated in the ribbon cutting on the youth room and, and went in and saw how great it looks. Doesn't it look fantastic? And we're so excited about uh, relaunch uh, coming up in the fall and, and getting uh, things going again and excited about all of the, the leadership team and everything that God has in store. We want to say a special thank you to um, especially my uh, sister-in-law and brother-in-law. I don't know if they're videotaping this right now. They listen to our sermons on a weekly basis, but um, we want to thank them for a very special gift that helped us, helped us do this. They helped purchase the furniture that, that you see in there. And so they just had a heart to do something uh, for God and for our church. And so that was a tremendous blessing. And it was something that we weren't really expecting. We thought little by little we'll get some things in there, but they were able to, uh, wanted to do that, and it was such a blessing. So we wanted to say thank you to Mark and Debbie and their family for participating in that. And just all of you who helped in every way. Uh, I know Jamie was down here uh, slaving away. Michelle was down on her knees putting down the carpet. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, like tile, carpet tile, and so piece by piece. And so all of you who came and helped out, uh, Kendall was here, and and all of you who just, just uh, supported it and, and helped out in any way you could. We appreciate you and thank you for making that happen. All right, so we are, if you have your, your Bible app open, and I hope you do, if you're able to find that, you're going to see this picture on that Bible app, it's, uh, and it will lead you through. You can take notes today. It'll, down below that, you're going to find uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, which is our text and our focus. And then I brought a hammer because what are we under construction, right? One of the things we wanted to leave you with as we were thinking through this series when we were planning was that, you know, I wanted you to be encouraged because there were so many deep things that we talked about that, you know, when you when you go through them, you think, well, that's not in place in my family and you get discouraged. Well, that's not in place in my family. And you get discouraged and well, I need to do that or we need to do that or we should have this happening and that happening. But we talked about a lot of things over the course of this month that you know, the essentials, we went through those and we were clipping through them and you could just say, ah, oh, yeah, that's something I need to teach my kids. We haven't been doing a really good job of that. And so we wanted to leave you with the fact that we're all under construction, right? <clears throat> and uh, we are all a work in progress. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, I am a work in progress? All right, now turn back to them and say, and so is my family. <laughs> So let's offer a lot of grace. Let's fill our thermoses up with grace and forgiveness uh, for one another as we go to work and we are under construction and we are ready to accomplish the things that God has in store for us. Here we go, beginning at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, beginning at verse 16. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys his temple, or this temple. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. As scripture says, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. 
As we start today, I want us to think back on what we have talked about over the course of uh, this month and think through what are we building? What is it that we are building? And one of the challenges that was early on in, in this series of messages was, are we building, are, are we, as, as families, are we, is it important for us just to build good citizens? Or do we want to build citizens of heaven? Do we want to build godly kids? Do we want to raise up a godly family? Do we want every member of our family to know that there is life beyond this life? The example that we've used before, which uh, I borrowed from uh, Francis Chan, and he talks about he has this rope that goes on forever across the stage. And, and on that rope, you know, he had this little small section of that rope that he had stretched across the stage. It was probably about that long, and he had put red tape on that little section all across it by, at the end of the rope, and the rope just goes on and on and on, and you can't see the end of it. And in that little section where there's just red tape about that long, he said, this is our life on earth. And so many people build so much energy and, and pour so much energy into this little section right here, and they call me crazy because I want to get ready for that section of life. I don't think we disregard what, uh, where our life is today. We don't, you know, I'm not saying to you, don't prepare for retirement, don't have fun, don't enjoy things with your family. But what I am saying is that there is a value that's higher than just that little red uh, section of life. We are building uh, and working towards what is going to be an eternity together. And is that what we are really building? Is that what we are really constructing in our families? And that's the challenge for us. Because wherever there's construction going on, there's going to be noise, there's going to be a little chaos, there's going to be nails, there's going to be a big mess. We went through it in this room over here, and when we were, you know, gluing the, you know, uh, the uh, baseboard around the, the wall, uh, you know, there was, uh, you, the, the glue gun just sometimes goes off by itself, doesn't it? Has that ever happened to you? Like, you just lay it down, and it just keeps pumping out glue? <laughs> And it did that on my socks. It just kept pumping out glue on my socks, which I had taken off and just set on the, and, and they were, and, and the glue gun was nearby, and so it just, just went ahead and pumped on my socks. So I lost a good pair of socks in, in the, uh, with the glue. There is always a mess, right? Building is a messy, messy process. I can remember the first building campaign, major one that we were in, in Phoenix, and uh, it was a, a major renovation. We were going to completely renovate the auditorium, unrecognizable. We we're flipping it. So uh, facing kind of like we're facing now, we used to be facing this direction towards there. That's where the stage was. That's where the baptistry was. That's every, we were flipping this thing so that it would be up here and rebuilding everything, uh, taking a, we had, we had a beautiful little uh, area across the, the top that kind of curved around and where all our lighting would be hid, all of the stage lighting and everything. It was just a, a, a grand project. We had studied and prepared for it. And then we were going to be blowing out the, the middle area. We were going to be making um, room in our, our, our lobby area and redoing a nursery and, and redoing men's bathrooms and women's bathrooms and redoing classrooms and reconstructing. We had a little fellowship hall. We were turning that into classrooms and we had expanded out we were going to have a little fellowship hall uh, out in another direction. And so we're, all this building is, is, is gotten approved and we're going to go forward with it. We have the final plans. And when we, when we finished and we were in, everything was, you know, ready to go. And we had, uh, 
you know, all the plans. We had agreed on them and everything. It was a one Monday I went in in my uh, work clothes, getting ready for it. My very best friend, Dennis Tucker, was there. And uh, I was standing in my office, and he reached over. Now, this is not a sledgehammer, but he handed me a sledgehammer. Because the very first act of rebuilding was to make a mess. And it killed me to think through, I was going to have to destroy the beautiful walls of my office. I was going to have to tear down things that we had built before that looked really nice and, and they looked appropriate and, and they, were, they, were, they, they were just wonderful. And the paint and, that we had put on the walls was the paint I wanted there and, and the carpet that was on the floor was the carpet I wanted there. And, and I was going to make a mess and, and uh, everything. It was never going to be the same again. And as I began to think about the construction process that we had committed to and, and we were ready to get involved in, I, I began to realize that it was going to, to be costly in the sense of, you know, for me, my time and my energy, but also for our entire congregation. There was going to be sacrifices every single Sunday. We were going to come together and I was going to be apologizing about the construction. There was going to be broken down walls and, and loose hanging electrical fixtures and, and there would be, you know, this... Uh, uh, plastic dividers that were separating people out and we would do our best to get you know all of the sheetrock dust off of the floor and out of the air and but there would still be some and, and there would be the smell of glue and fresh carpet and all this kind of stuff going on and people would come up and tap me on the shoulder and say I just got a headache today just sitting in service and I said normally that's just when I preach but you know it's probably the fumes today you know it's probably <laughs> The other stuff that's going on. And so I was finding myself apologizing every week. Of course, we were putting up signs that were saying, hey, you know, this is under construction. Please forgive us. Please be patient with us. This stall is shut down. Please use the other one. And it was all of this stuff was going on. And, and uh, we were doing our best to have church in the midst of all of it and to make it happen. But isn't that just like it is for families? Like we are under construction. And, and you know, one of the things that happened when you invited Jesus Christ into to your life that you may not have thought about was when you invited him in and you you said Lord whatever we've got some whatever shirts in here today Lord whatever you want to do in my life whatever you want to do in my family I just open myself to you and I, I want you to do that and what you didn't realize is that Jesus accepted your invitation and he brought a sledgehammer and he brought some construction uh, equipment in, a bulldozer and all kinds of other things. And he says, if you really want what I want for your life, then we're going to, to first have to demolition some things that, that you have built up in your life. We're first going to have to tear down some of the, the ideas and the things that you have. You're under construction and, and I am working on you. And, and so we're going to be tearing away and, and breaking some things down in your life. And, and you know as a family that when the building of our family can get really messy and, and their uh, tempers can rage whenever there's construction going on. We can be a little, you know, impatient with one another as, as there is construction going on in our lives and we see things that maybe we didn't want to see. And sometimes we see that reflection in our own children of things that we are going on in our life that we really don't want to live another generation. We want it to die. And so tempers can rage or feelings can get hurt. You can get wounded when there's construction going on. You know, that was important. We had people that would say, hey, you know, I loved that wall. That wall meant something to me. I, I used to lean on that wall and talk to people. And it's gone now. <laughs> and, 
There were things going on as we were involved in construction that we never dreamed were going to cause people problems, difficulties, and challenges. And you are, are experiencing that in your family when, when there is construction going on and there's, there's ripping and tearing down of, of worldviews and things that you thought were right and they're not right. And, and the Bible's turned your world upside down and God has changed the way that you're looking at things. And, and so tempers can flare and, and you can get your feelings hurt and, and you, can, you can stretch out to, and, and break through hard and soft barriers. They get dented and, and, and wounded and all around us there's kind of unfinished business and it's just not comfortable. We don't know where to, to even lay down and have a peaceful moment sometimes in our family because everything's under construction. Everything is, every room's a disaster. We're just kind of saying, God, just isn't there one place that I can just go sit on the couch and just, you know, forget about this for a minute. Escape all the th stuff that's going on because it's just, there's so much construction and things that are going on. It's challenging, it's stretching, it's hurting, and I just want to rest a little bit. We learn that we need to be filled with grace and forgiveness for one another when we're involved in these under construction parts you know we need to be willing to forgive each other and and uh, ask each other for grace you know we can get hangry sometimes we can <laughs> you know things can happen inside the family and so as we pack our lunch for the day we want to pack a little grace pack a little mercy pack a little forgiveness for one another because being under construction is always going to stretch and cause a little pain. We are all works in progress. I want you to say it to your neighbor again. I am a work in progress. Every family, every individual in this room has made a mess of things in their life. And so as we come to a close in this series, then, you know, this is a, an actually an encouraging word for you. Whatever is stretching is going on, whatever challenges are, that are taking place in your life, wherever you think you've failed as a parent, you are in good company. We have all failed as parents. We have all uh, made mistakes. We have all been challenged and, and stretched. And so here we are together and we're all a work in progress. We're all a mess. When Michelle and I started uh, doing youth ministry several years ago, about three and a half, four years into it, we recognized that uh, the parents often, that we were working with a lot of inner city kids and, and sometimes the parents weren't coming to church. And so the parents were not on the same page, the kids were. So some of the things that we were teaching and, and getting the kids involved in were not being reinforced at home and then uh, they were certainly not being encouraged to come back to church and that kind of thing. So we thought that one of the, good, the things that we could do to help was to have parent gatherings, you know. And so we brought the parents in and we began to just encourage and lift them up. And you know, one of the things that happened that I thought was so remarkable was I had, we had an agenda and a schedule of things that we thought we were going to try to accomplish. But one of the things that one of the dynamics that began to happen in that group was that parents got to know one another and they started recognizing that they all had similar issues, similar kinds of problems. Now we'd have a couple that had, didn't go to church and, and they didn't, that wasn't a high value in their life. And they would be sitting right next to people who went to church every single Sunday and were faithfully there and had been going ever since they were kids. And, and, and as they begin to talk, uh, they're saying, your kid does that? My kid does that too. Like, you know, it was just, the light just came on. They're like, 
wow, this isn't just a problem for people who don't go to church. This is a problem for kids. This is an issue of life. And so it became very healing for them to recognize you're under construction too. Your house is a mess. So is mine. <laughs> and to learn that we were coming together to address that and to allow God to reconstruct in us and build something wonderful inside of us. We can all likely agree that we are all under construction. And recognize that when we invited Jesus in, we also invited his sledgehammer, his bulldozer. <laughs> we invited the drill. And he's going to work on every single one of us. And so we begin this passage. He says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple? All of you together are the temple of God. And that the Spirit of God lives in you. And God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy. And you are that temple. What's he saying? You are under construction. I'm going to destroy everything that comes against what I want to build in here. If it walks in the door and it doesn't look like heaven, talk like heaven, and walk like heaven, it's getting destroyed. It's getting the sledgehammer. <laughs> it's getting the drill. It's getting the bulldozer. And so sometimes those, it's going to get a little uncomfortable around here. All of us together... Uh, are, all of us are in this together. We're all brought together as a family. Now, the reason that the foot is so quickly to forgive the toe that stubs its, itself on the table is because the foot recognizes there's no replacement for the toe, right? It's like, I can't get mad at you and cast you out because then I can't walk. And so I'm going to forgive you. <laughs> Please don't hit the table again, right? The reason that we're so quick to forgive members of our own body is because we recognize you don't replace a hand. You don't replace an arm. You don't replace a head. You don't replace a back. And so we're quick to forgive the members of our own body, right? And so we need to be that quick to forgive in families and that quick to forgive in the body of Christ, right? Because we can't replace the members. They are all important. Uh, my senior pastor, Michelle's uh, dad, my senior pastor for 11 and a half years, he, he preached a message one time and it always stuck with me. He said, what if Muhammad Ali goes to fight? He was my heavyweight champion hero. I loved Muhammad Ali. And, he, and so I, I was sitting on the edge of my seat as he's talking about Muhammad Ali. He said, what if he went into a great match against Joe Frazier and everything, all the members of his body said, great, we're going to win, except for the little finger. The little finger says, I'm not going to participate. I'm staying out. I'm not going to make a fist. And he said, how long do you think Muhammad Ali would be in the ring? <laughs> Punching with that little finger sticking out and trying to connect a blow. It just wouldn't work. And it's at that moment that he would realize that even though that's a small member, even though that's a member that doesn't seem like it's very important, it's vital to everything that goes on in my life. And it's so important. 
And so I want to win you over. Please make a fist so that we can win this battle, right? And every member of our family is so important and there is no replacement for them. He says in this passage, stop deceiving yourself. If you think you are wise by the world's standards, you need to become a fool to truly be wise. For wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. Now we know this, that the wisdom of the world uh, never leads to any kind of peace. It never leads to any kind of resolution. I'll just give you a quick example of what uh, David Wilkerson called the success trap. The world offers us the success trap, okay? And so as we work it out, the success trap reads like this. Some of it is good, right? More of it is better. And all of it is best. And so it, see, it, it puts us on this endless quest for something we can never have. It leaves an empty void inside of us. We might be able to get some of it. In some cases, you might be able to get more of it. But you can never have all of it. And so it's an endless quest. And it's a kind of, of wisdom that comes from the world that is empty and void and doesn't fulfill anything. And God's wisdom says something different. What we give away, we get to keep. And it's such a tremendous blessing to us when we give away kindness, when we give away the works of our life into somebody else's life. This, it was a blessing to be down there uh, in Fort Worth and to be in that service. Remembering with this couple, uh, we both were in ministry about the same time in, 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 uh, in ministry together. And, and remembering the works that God has done in people's lives, the things that we've given away, the things that we've sacrificed, they have, they have, given, they have come back a hundredfold in terms of what has happened in people's life. There are young ministers out in the ministry who sit underneath us, who are helping uh, in their local communities, uh, people who are having trouble with alcohol or families that are broken up or single moms that need a little helping hand, and they are serving and ministering in those areas. They would have never found that had it not been that we were faithful where God called us. I think about Bobby Stewart we were talking about the other day when we sent our vans out in four different directions in Phoenix, the east, the south, the north, and the west. And we're packing these little 15 passenger vans with 25 and 30 kids, you know, uh, between the ages of like five up to 12. And, and we're just packing these vans out totally illegal. We didn't tell the Phoenix Police Department about it or anything. We drove safely. No accidents. God blessed and protected us. And we brought these kids in and they were hungry, sometimes physically. They were, they were you know, need, in need of, of some basic, uh, you know, support in terms of clothing. Sometimes these kids are so excited to come to Super Church. We call it Super Church. They were so excited to come that they would just go grab dirty clothes out of the laundry because their mom and dad was sleeping with a hangover from last night. And they would just throw on whatever they had and they would come and they would come to church. They just wanted to be there. And, you know, it was uh, we picked up Bobby Stewart's uh, two sisters. We would we're, load them up in the van. And every week we go back to the door and ask if Bobby would come. Can Bobby come? You know, will Bobby come? And his parents are like, yeah, he can come. He just doesn't want to come. And so every single week we didn't give up. And finally, Bobby, he said, he said, all right, you guys, you know, not because, you know, I'm just going to go this one time just because you're nagging me to death. All right. I'm not coming back again. And he went and, he, and, and God changed his life. And, and such a tremendous thing happened in his heart. And, and he began to serve God and live for God, later became our youth pastor, now serves as a senior pastor up in Flagstaff. He is changing lives and touching lives, and it was because we were faithful where God called us and did what God told us to do. We were under construction, 
And we were allowing God to do the work inside of us. And we were encouraging others who were under construction and using the wisdom of God to change the world. You know, the devil does not need to teach everyone to be foolish. All he has to do is teach the one with the biggest megaphone. (laughs) We tend to parrot what we hear from other people. The scripture says, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. Our best attempts at wisdom outside of God's wisdom are only snares that entrap us. They entrap us financially. They entrap us intellectually. They entrap us relationally. They entrap us emotionally. In Romans chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, it reads, Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. And the birds and the four-footed animals creeping and creeping things. We're living in that world today where they have put on an equal plane the God that we talk about and everything else. Living in foolishness. And yet they face the challenge constantly too. Because they don't have to open the Bible to see God revealed. They just need to walk out into creation. They just need to stand on the planet. They just need to breathe a little oxygen. And it challenges everything about them. They just need to go to science class where they, they talk about how that everything came from nothing. Open their hands, hold a bunch of nothing and realize I can make nothing out of nothing. Who makes something out of nothing? Who is it that has intervened and made something out of nothing? We're all under construction and we, this, these are the lessons that we teach our kids and tell them. When you're standing on the planet and breathing God's air, you only need to ask and he will speak. God is faithfully, he is carefully, he is lovingly working on you. The prophet Jeremiah was asked by the Lord to go down to the potter's house and to sit and watch. All of us on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, God brings object lessons into our life. We're not always as alert as we should be. We should be alert and watching for this. God specifically told Jeremiah, object lesson, go down to the potter's house. Here's what he saw. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my words. How's he going to hear the words? By watching something that takes place at the potter's house. And then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in his hand, in the hand of the potter. He's working on a vessel that he's getting ready to sell. And as he begins to work it, there's not enough water or not enough clay or something's happening, and it gets marred, it gets messed up. Jeremiah is observing. He's watching. What do you want me to see here, God? He's making a mess. (laughs) I'm a mess. And then he said, here's what the potter did. When he saw that it was marred and it was messed up, so he made it again another vessel. 
as it seemed good to the potter to make it. The artistic craftsman, the potter, God, setting at the wheel of life, molding and shaping, coming across something in us that's not right. It's marring our life. It's a bad worldview. It's a bad way of thinking. It's a problem in us. It's an addiction. It's something going on. And God says, well, we're not just going to cover this up and paint it and make it look really nice. We're going to make it over again. We're going to tediously go back to just the ball of clay. We're going to remove what was bad, what's harmful, what is not a part of the vessel that I want to create. And we're going to make it over again. You're under construction. No matter what happens in the family of God, God is willing to make it over again. To make it new, to make it Christ-centered, to make it purpose-filled, to make it fulfilling for every family. And we come to a point this morning where we need to recognize that we need a divine contractor. If you've 80, 60, you know, when things got a little rough and he was swinging hard on the sledgehammer, we've got to invite him back. We've got to let him finish the work that he needs to do inside of us because you can't do it. There's never good enough in us. We need him to come and do the work inside of us. To give us the courage to parent the way that he wants us to parent. To see the success that God wants to see in our family. That we can love one another and model for our kids what it is to have a lasting relationship. My daughter Amanda said to we celebrated uh, August the 5th, our 36th year together, and said something along the lines of like, you know, you guys are such a great example for us of how marriage can work out and how it can be loving. Now they've also seen the fire. They've seen some things you haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so it was really honoring to hear that, you know, to, to think that there is something that they're taking away from the, all the flaws included and all the mistakes and things that, that happened. That there's still some value that's coming out of this as they're watching us together. And I can tell you how it works. It works by keeping him as the center of our hearts and lives. There isn't the energy, the strength, the wisdom inside of me to be a good husband or inside of Michelle to be a good wife. But when we're connected, and when the divine con contractor is down inside of us, doing the work that only he can do, it helps us to rise up and to be what God has called us to be. I want to invite our worship team to come. The work that's needed inside of us can only be accomplished as we surrender to the divine contractor. If you're out of nails, you're out of glue, you're out of patience, and you're out of energy, then you're a good place. I used to say if you're at the end of your rope, you're at the beginning of God's. You are in a good place, a good, good place, if there's a mess going on in your family. If there's a mess going on in your own life, you're in a good place, in a good place. You know, you need to be honest about it. Stop trying to whitewash it and cover it over. You know, um, times that, you know, we don't want to invite people over to our house because everything's not smooth, right? Everything's not going great. 
We only want to invite them over when we're at the top of our game. We're all smiles and everything. We need to invite Jesus in all the time. He sees it anyway. He said in Revelations uh, 3, verse 19, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, I will come in. And he's knocking on our doors and saying, I, I need to finish some construction. There's some stuff I need to tear down, and then we're going to work. We're going to do some neat things inside here. We're like, ugh. All right, I'm going to put my hard hat on. <laughs> There's going to be a mess to deal with. But I want to encourage you, family. You're in a place where things are a mess. You're in a very, very good place, as long as you can be honest about it, as long as you can personally be honest about it. That's where God can work. That's where God can work. There was an evangelist who experienced a great revival in Ireland, and he had gone there to, to pray. And he felt convicted about just praying for everyone before he prayed for himself. So he said, God, I want to see a revival in Ireland. But would you please, and he took out a piece of chalk and he drew a circle around himself. He said, would you please start that revival in this circle? Inside this circle, just start that revival. And then I promise I'll spread it wherever you send me. And there came great revival in that circle and also in Ireland. Are we ready to say, God, I want to be honest with you today. I need you to start a work inside of me. Will you stand with me? Each, gather, each time we've gathered this, this month, we've prayed over families, over individuals. And I want to invite you to come forward if you would like prayer this morning. You're standing in a place saying, Pastor, I need, um, I need God to continue the work inside of me. I recognize things are broken. They're not the way they need to be. Will you come as they sing and we want to pray for you this morning.